Yo, 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 yo. Welcome. Reason to doubt. You ever heard this? <laughs> That's my favorite album, baby. You already know. My favorite Jay-Z album. What we got? Jay-Z. Jay-Z, you know. People say we talk about Jay-Z too much. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Y'all hear Marvin Gaye too? Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome. This is uh, a special episode of Reason to Doubt podcast. I'm your host, Jay Sims. To my right, it's Fresh 60. Happy to be here, man. How y'all doing out there? To my left, it's, it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be sitting here to talk to. This is my family, yes, Marcus McAllister. Yes, sir. He's a good man. He's going to tell you a lot about his story and how he came up, and most importantly, what he's doing now, trying to change community, trying to help give back. We're gonna uh, we're gonna have a nice conversation, you know. Just build, just just sit back and listen, you know. And hopefully, have some fun. How you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, so I am finally got a chance to be and get in town and be able to um, yeah, yeah. get over here, man. And I, I've been following you since you started. I just ain't been on this end, you know. Yeah, I've been running, yeah. but I'm, I'm honored to be here, and it's good to see you, family. As, as always, nice to meet you too, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. All good, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, you my cousin, my first cousin, your mom, my mom, sisters, whatever. Uh-huh. So everybody know like. You know, around here and stuff, they know you, my family, and stuff like that. But it's people my age, they look at your Instagram and they see you every weekend you're on the flight. Uh-huh. Every week, they're like, man, man. The, I get asked so much when they talk bring up you. They're like, hey, man, what did he do? <laughs> That's the number one question everybody asks me. Mm-hmm. Hey, he be making moves. Hey, what did he do? Right. <laughs> That's the like, they, they see you doing with people, positive people. Yes, like, sir. And everything like I remember when you, you took a picture with Meek Mill, like yeah, everybody was talking about that. Like you know, Meek is popping out of here. Man, so, like, yeah, everybody was talking about that. So yeah, like, I rock with Meek Mill. Man. So before we get to talking about like your background, everything you came from, like what is it? What is it like? The, even the fact that you're here right now in the St. Louis area, yeah. like what is it that you do? I know it's Cure Violence. Yeah, you know, Cure Violence going so, around the country. Like, yeah, it's called um, CureViolence.org, and so um, we're. Um, a violence prevention um, group, right? But we're not your average group. So what it is, um, what we do is we help cities and neighborhoods um, stop their gun violence, especially in the African-American community. Um, Latino too, we we help cities lower their, their shootings and killings. And the, and the way that we do it, we hire people from the streets to be violence interrupters and mediators. And, and you have to be credible. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to be somebody credible. Like, so I've been here in St. Louis because we have... 64 sites in the whole country in the United States and we have 13 out the country like in Africa and, 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 and we're in Trinidad and Belize but what it is basically is that we train in people from the streets we're not the police mm-hmm. um, we're not out there dealing with everything this isn't the um, 
pull up your pants movement. This ain't the stop selling drugs movement. This ain't the why you smoke weed movement. It's none of that. It's strictly we get in the streets with relationships to stop conflicts, mediations that can lead to a homicide. Okay. Yeah. You know, so, you know. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, but that, that's the thing, like, because they don't, man, that, you don't know how much that can just help, like, to stop a conflict before it get to where. Yeah, before it get out of hand. Yeah. Because, and that's the thing, that's why it works, because, like, I was, I've been here in St. Louis five days. They finally um, decided to call us down. We're the best in the country. Mm-hmm. And we got a record. Been evaluated in countries. And I've seen it where I've been in some of the roughest places in the world. I mean, real talk, in the hood where we killing each other. Like, I live in Chicago. Like, right. So, and as, as we know, Chicago's bad. But I've been to places that Chicago looks soft. Like, Laventille <laughs> in Trinidad. Yeah. In Laventille, that neighborhood ain't no joke. We, yeah. we did a documentary out there, too. I, I just ain't had to to post everything. But we got a whole documentary we okay. did in the streets of Trinidad, and I'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. I ain't had a chance too long, and I hadn't been able to chop it up to put it on Instagram. But just like you were saying, because if you stop the little things, so like everybody got homies. Mm-hmm. So if you got somebody that you know that been through something, and you don't mind hearing what he got to say, he can plant a seed and stop something before it get out of hand. Most things started with something small. It's right. just nobody's never attacking the small thing. Obviously, the police can't do it. They ain't from the hood, so they, they ain't going to be out here saying, did anybody get disrespected that can lead to a <laughs> homicide? You know, the streets <laughs> got to be able to see that and yeah. say, man, oh boy just got, you know, he, he just got beat in a crap game in Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't got beat in the crap game. Everybody know he got an attitude, so... He might have left it, but you know he's going to try to get some get back if that's his mentality. Right. But when you got people from the streets that's doing this work, that's getting paid to do it, they ain't in the streets no more, but they still credible. Yeah. They ain't like people that um that that's, um that that's ain't got no relationships. You you got to have credibility and people say they'll listen to you. So he might know the boy that got beat in the game said, I'm going to go talk to him. Somebody else on the team may know the dude that whooped him out the money. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So it's almost like when I was in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. When I, I did a training in Baltimore one time. And when they went around the room with the people that was doing the work, so they're all credible people. You know, solid. Yeah. One of them was Avon Barksdale from The Wire. Oh, man. You feel okay. what I'm saying? So I'm using him as an example. Yeah. Who in Baltimore wasn't going to listen to what Avon had to say? Right. We're not saying we can stop everything, but when you got a, somebody that been through something like Avon Barksdale, who they made The Wire off of, he rest in peace. He's the, you know deceased yeah. now. But Avon was able to mediate a lot of stuff. Right. Man, leave that alone. I'm going to look in that young. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was able to step in, and they was paying him to do it. Yeah. You know, so that's and that's the that's what like the problem like with police like me, you know I don't, I'm not doing any illegal activity, but mm-hmm. I don't fool the police like I don't exactly like it's just, and that's people just you got the stigma mess with the police because it's like they say like all police aren't bad, mm-hmm. but to me it's like all police may not be bad, but how I look at the police it's like just the whole outlook on how the police act that's bad like because. Me and KD can be doing something, the police officer can pull us over. He can be a dick police officer, pull us over, mm-hmm. throw us on the street, throw us in the car, throw us in the car. This police officer that might be a good guy might pull up. He got to support his police officer right. that's harassing us, though. He got to have his back. Right. So it's just the idea of the police that it's just hard. And that's something, that's something great that y'all doing because it's like y'all policing ourselves. ourselves. And, and, yeah. and, we, and we only... We're focusing just on one lane, the yeah. violence, and we know everybody can get with that. Yeah. We're not here policing everything. And that, we're not police. We're not. Yeah, we're exactly. not moral moral judges or anything. <laughs> but if you open that door, yeah. we're not naive to it. So if I'm working with a high risk, I used to work on the streets. Now I'm. A, and we'll get into. That. I'm a national trainer going around the country, yeah. right? But when I was working on the streets, and I had people that when I stopped doing the magazine, you know, which we'll get into later, when I stopped doing my magazine, 
and I was trying to find something. How I even got into this is a whole nother story. Like mm -hmm. how it came on my desk because I almost went back to the penitentiary. Mm -hmm. And I and, and and I don't mind even sharing that because it's a real story. But mm -hmm. nevertheless, um, when I got into this and and started doing the work on the ground, I seen how I was effective because. I knew everybody in my neighborhood, yeah, so right. they trusted me. They knew I wasn't the police, so I could go talk to them. Yeah. Matter of fact, when I first got hired for this, I said, man, we ain't doing, I'm not the neighborhood watch, so I'm not getting down with it if it's neighborhood exactly. watch. They right. said, no, it's an organization that if you can use your background, we'll pay you credible. You get out there, you build relationships and mediate stuff that you before it gets out of hand. Mm -hmm. Or if somebody gets smoked, they got brothers and sisters that want retaliation. Right. Somebody got to go talk to them yeah. just to say, hey, is it worth it? You know, And you try to talk. I didn't seen the roughest things get talked down. And so it's not like things can't. You just gotta have the right person doing the talking. Yeah, and that's just how to. You just gotta know how to communicate with. That's right. Like, people like. You can't. Yeah. You know. You gotta know how to talk to them. Yeah, you know, and understand. Right. You gotta have empathy. Yeah. When I do my training, it don't matter who in the room. You can't get this job and lose empathy. Everybody know why somebody gonna do something. Mm -hmm. So we're not your average like social workers because you. I didn't been like if I know a, a partner of mine. And I've been in these situations and he want to murder somebody because somebody a rat, right? Yeah. And so I understand that mentality, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not sitting there as this outreach worker and this is across the country. Like, man, you know you can't do that. Yeah. No, I'm hearing him out because I understand. Matter of fact, I might be there right with him bashing a snitch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we be ourselves. But at the end of the day, once, <laughs> once, at the end of the day, once we get to the end of the day, I might say to him, I say, hey, it ain't oh, man, come on it now. Ain't worth it. It. Is it worth it? Then we try. But, but first we meet them where they at. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we, we, can't, we, we do our best to kind of meet them where they at because we've been there. Man. You know, it's called empathy. We've been through them situations. Man. Exactly. It's so real, man. Just, but we'll get back on that. Mm hmm like we're gonna get on the backstory, like how how you grew up. Like somebody asked you, like who is Marcus McAllister? Who is man? I mean, so one, I'm gonna tell you one thing. I always used to say when I think about this lately. So <clears throat> since I travel so much and meet a lot of people, I I kind of um, like I got partners all out the country that can take me in their hood mm -hmm. and where they grew up all their life. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a whole bunch of those, but I got a whole bunch of places I've lived because. Coming up, my mom and dad were divorced, and so I lived all over. So I claim a lot of places. I used to all. I was born in California. Right. You know, it's crazy. I was born in Hollywood, so it just makes sense. And I ain't Hollywood. It, it is, it's funny though, like yeah. like we sitting here, we're in all in Illinois, uh -huh. and it's funny. Like I know you, my you know what I'm saying, my whole life, so I can remember. Like, yeah. So, but I'm like, I'm on the internet. I'm re I'm doing like research on you. Like I don't know you, so, but it, it's like. From it. Los Angeles, from yeah, all, Chicago, so like all Illinois, all over the place. Like. Yeah, and so, so when you say who I'm, I, I know like I'm a person that I've um, been fortunate enough to have multiple places that I can call home. Mm -hmm. I never spent a whole bunch of time in none of them. Like mm -hmm. so, all, I, but I, always when I really think of it, probably in Alton, Illinois, is where the most people would know me as a community yeah. over time, more mm -hmm. than any other place. Yeah. And I wasn't here all the time. Mm -hmm. I went to elementary here a little bit few years of high school, you know, I was back and forth to California and Chicago, those triangle. So, but I never been nowhere where I could say, man, I lived there 12 years. This is where I grew up forever. Yeah. I claim these spots, but yeah. it's hard for me to say, like, I may have moments, years, yeah. not a whole bunch of years. I don't have no five years straight in no city growing up that I can live, <laughs> you know. It's just one thing I can say about you, like, that, because basically, I think you, like, I was born in 88, so I think mm -hmm. you went like, in 89. I, I, went to, I went to jail in 91. So yeah. it was, like, 91, so... I don't really have memories then, but just growing up, it was like your cousin Marcus. I always seen pictures of you, like your cousin Marcus, and 
they was always everybody. Well, that's no, crazy because I remember too. You know what I'm yeah. saying? When I was around here, you know, when it, and we can talk about, you know, when we was in our glory days, yeah. you know, and I was young and yeah. and I was getting money at 17 and 16, but yeah. I remember all my little cousin stuff and now they've grown and everything, yeah. you know, like but, before I went to jail. So I remember right. you and your brother, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like, but the, you did time and everything. Yeah, you see so. people that go to jail and they do time and they get out. They always complaining. Right. Or, exactly. Man, if this wouldn't have happened, I'd have been from from when I my memories of you when you got out. Yeah. Every time I seen you was making moves, like you was doing something. Yeah. And I always looked like I always had the utmost respect for you in that way. Like, man, Marcus is really he making moves, he doing what he wanna do. He all over the place, he with these celebrities. You know his kids, that's everything. Yeah, exactly. We seeing you in pictures with celebrities and stuff, so we thinking, man, he doing all this. But as I got older I just always realized like he never made an excuse for why he did something or oh, what right. happened to him nah, or anything right. like that. He just kept it moving. And I just think that was just honorable, like that you just that you just well, stand no, up, God. No, no, I just stand yeah. up, and I appreciate that because yeah. um, that's always been my mentality, man. And um, and you know, your mom, my auntie, she know me since I was a little kid. And I tell you what. I've always had, even when I was in jail and my co-defendants that are here from Alton, they know me. I've always been positive yeah. and always been striving. Like, you know, I know God had my back and, you know, I, my, my grandfather's a pastor, and, you know, and I, I grew up knowing God, you know what I'm saying? But yet I chose to do certain things and, and that's, we, you know, we got in trouble. But, and that's know? the thing, like, so, as you was, but so you grew up or like, just talk, could you tell us about like what led up? How, who, who were you at 16? Oh, yeah, that, that's what I say. 17. Who was you yeah, like that, that put you in the where I got to? Where you got to. <laughs> yeah. But like, what was things like back then? You know, them the glory. People talk yeah. about the 80s and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. I'm like, getting oh, money. Right. Like, see, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to see yeah. paying full right yeah. here. Like, come up in this area. So, so it's like, you know, so like, here, so I was, so I tell you the story. So I was, I, I was, you know, I always, always, always claimed California because that's where I was born. So even when I used to come to Alton, mm-hmm. everyone knew me and my brother was from California, yeah. right? And, um, you know, we always come up and we grew up in blood hoods. My, our uncles, our uncles in California are from, you know, blood sets, Inglewood family, Pyrus, etc. So we grew up around gangs and uncles and stuff. But then also my dad used to, um, now I'm talking starting out, giving you a history like in the 80s, my dad. Oh, backstory. Yeah, he used to um, have a club on Crenshaw. Okay. And early on, he used to have like um, the Gap Band and Charlie Wilson. Because my mom and dad, my mom's here in Alton right now. Uh-huh. They met in California, okay. you know what I'm saying? And they got married and had me, and that's why I was born in Hollywood. My mom used to work in NBC. Mm-hmm. And so then we moved to the South Central, you know, and Pops was a hustler. You know, and Pops would know how to grind. He was a working man, but he also could be in the streets. So he did, like, he could, my dad, I watched him as a kid that he could be like in the streets. Go paint a sign because he knew how to paint signs. Then maybe on the golf course with a lawyer. So he was well-rounded, always in networking. And unfortunately, he even went to jail. You know, just for different things that he got into in the past when I was little and whatnot. So I seen a lot of that. I come up in the street life, seeing gangs and everything. Then I come here to Alton, Illinois. And when I come here, I used to, me and my brother, we brought a little bit of our California stuff back here. And, and we started out here a little bit. And we was moving around and gang-banging and started to sell drugs with some of our older OGs that was from Alton, mm-hmm. which led to, you know, a lifestyle. When I was 16, 17, you know, we we was having plenty of money. We, I was wearing suits in Alton at the age of 16, Armani suits, you know, <laughs> it's a true story. Anybody know, I used to be at any of the spots here. I, I wasn't even old enough. I had a fake ID yeah. that I used, and I used to go up in all the little spots in Mexico and, 
And um, shout out to my boy Spike Mike and yeah. Shorter Bay and Big Rob. They all solid. Even Wag. Wag was on the case with us and all of us went to trial. But before I got to that point, I was young. I came back here. And before I got into drug stuff, we came back here. And so we either did the, We tried to bring a little bit of the California gang stuff. And then... We used to break dance. Yeah. So we that's all, like, shout out to my brother Herbie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that's all he yeah. talked about. He talked about because yeah, we, we you know, was cold at that too. You know, Herb, Herb always act like he was the coldest break dancer. No, Herb, Herb had his Herb had his stuff, but Herb, <laughs> but though, we were said, like, he hey, said y'all the windmill. Better listen, than man, listen, <laughs> this is no joke. Shout out to Parker Bay and all of the Parker Bay used to um also had a good. These are all like some of the. Uh, um, G's here in Alton that used to be in music and stuff. Like I can go with small way back, I can just go on and on. Um, that different people that used to break and stuff, right? And um, me and my brother, when we came back here, once again, we would bring a little of our flavor. So mm -hmm. we were like, we were like how Kevin Durant and them is in the draft right now. You know, everybody wanted them, so it was like different crews. There was the Renegades, and uh, and then it was, I forgot the other name. My brother would know all of them, but so we so we polo was, players yeah, and all polo players. Yeah, yeah, matter of fact, yeah. I used to, I used to be with the polo players okay. for a while. And then then we got drafted to the Renegade. We battled G and them down on t on, the, on Broadway my, one my, day. My cousin was a, in a warehouse. He was a dancer. J. Rod. I'm sure I remember him, man. My brother always said my brain got fried of remembering names, but if I see the face, I remember. So I come up doing a little bit of everything. I can't say I come up, uh, I you know, this is what I'm saying. Like, look at the day. I remember living in Alton, and it's no shame because I'm a transparent person. Me and my brother always was highly respected and loved, but we made the best out of nothing. I remember we lived on, on Central Street with no electricity. I remember, like, you know, you know how people say stuff. We did live. We lived off of... You know, we've been through the drug era and family members on drug and then also just seeing all that stuff. And so I was exposed to it. Yeah. And so eventually I found my way in it because that's when you're exposed to that. That's kind of like the job is today. You wind up in it. And what happened was I wind up being in it too close and end up getting, you know, 10 years incarceration. But I've been around coming up. I thought I was a rapper. I remember I would, <laughs> this is something that you probably don't know. Yeah. See, so there's a lot of stuff people don't know. Some do. Mm -hmm. I was in the first Yo! magazine ever. Right, me as a rapper. Oh yeah, no. Listen, in, in San Diego, when I was in, um, I might have been in seventh grade, in California, yeah. and me and one of my partners. What, what year was this? Um, it might have been. Let me see. It had to be um, 1987, something like that. 88, yeah. right around there. Yeah. You know, around there, I, I was in young grade, but I remember we entered the contest, and there was a lot of people in. It was Coca Cola sponsoring, and the first place was going to get a record deal. Mm -hmm. Second place was um, getting the photo shoot and all this different stuff. Well, we were, we were the best out there. Me and my boy, we came in. At the time, everything was about Adidas suits. And we were in California, so it was yeah. like, they were tripping off us. We had Adidas suits. We thought we were Run DMC. Right. We had, my boy had a Houdini hat on, but we was cold. It was two of us, and we had a beatboxer, right? Mm -hmm. And we came, to the, um, we came to the event. It was like at least hundreds and hundreds of groups. We took second place. We should have took first, yeah. but we got a we got a spread in your magazine, and we had a lot of people coming at us. So that was a time when I thought that I was gonna be yeah, right, a right, rapper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I even played ball. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know what I'm saying? I played basketball. I did everything. I was in the street selling drugs and all that, but I never limit myself to nothing. Yeah. So like you said, when I did go to jail, and when I came out, I still had that mentality, and I and I got it from. My mom, but a lot from my dad. My dad's a networker. He do everything. Yeah. He could be with a drug lord. This is real talk. He could yeah. be with a drug lord one day and be with a straight square from IBM and talking both their language and, and getting along right. and finding a spot. And that's kind of like how I've been. I've been able to network with all. We, we say if brothers would network, we wouldn't have to sweat work. And I've been networking <laughs> all my life. And I, like I, just, I haven't sweated nothing. Yeah, that's... I, I think that's something, uh, that's something in our genes and family. Like, yeah, exactly. He put us in a room with anybody that like, we could talk. 
That's right. With anybody, you know. Sociable. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We ain't square with it. We're going to be able to talk our way and we ain't scared. And, and that's what I, I feel like. That's how, if you say who Marcus McAllister is, that's somebody who I am. I'm definitely a loyal person. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm a person that's always trying to look out for people. And that's why I've been blessed when we get into why all these entertainers, athletes, um, have always showed me love. And I, because I was always real with all of them. My, my, everything, anybody I ever met, even in the streets, I was fair. You know, I, we do these trainings with all these street dudes across the country, and we have a list of things when you see yourself. And the first thing I see on there is fair. I've always been a fair person because mm-hmm. I got a conscience. And, you know, even they always say you can have a conscience and be in the streets and live a street life and do things. It's the people that don't have a conscience, you know, and, and, and those individuals, then they, sometimes they do whatever. And that's what we're dealing with in St. Louis right now with all this violence. Man. It's a lot of youngsters. They ain't got a conscience. They like, you know, it ain't nothing to them, you know? And that, that's something about, like, how they, like, it was different between now and even back then. Like, with, it was gangs and everything. Like, now it's just like, they killing you just for anything. It's There's good. no respect. Ain't no code. <laughs> ain't nothing. Like, we might want to get your money. Yeah, that's right. it's, it's just, just for anything. anything. There's no respect for nothing. You know what one of the biggest things in the country is of, of that's kicking off more violence than anything, bar none? Who's that? Social media. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows that. So I'm just oh, snapping yeah. it. I'm telling you right now, from being <laughs> in the field, most of the conflicts that all our people are it's it, a lot of it is stemming from social media. Obviously, there's other stuff, but I'm saying it, it has a big thing. And I'm right. not even talking about just here in the United States. You know, I'm talking about other countries that it even plays a role. You know, social media is just, it expo- But like, hold up. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get your yeah, question. Yeah, okay, yeah, it wasn't you. It was Steen. Shout out to DJ Steen. We couldn't be here right now. But hey, all right. You know how social media is now. Yeah. And you know, like if you if you in the streets or anything like that, like they, they still on social media. Like it's crazy. Like mm-hmm. back in the day when you said you was in the streets. Yeah. Could you imagine like if y'all had social media back then, like, you posting, <laughs> like, say if you were selling drugs, like, you posting, like, your prices on the internet for people to buy. Like, it's like, that's the, that's the era we in right now. They so stupid. Like, they really... Put everything they out thinking, there. They thinking what they doing ain't illegal or something. Or, but I got a theory that I don't think, like, your generation would have did nothing that stupid. No. But, what it really, if you think about it, though, if you were... 16, 17 year old kid yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah. with hundreds of thousands of dollars and stuff and you buy Mercedes Benz. Right. It's kind of the same way as posting your money phone on the internet now. <laughs> like, right, right, right. It ain't really look different. It's, like, yeah, I think it would have been different kind of talent. Like yeah. I, it, it, I think, and then you have to realize too that even like they're young back then mm-hmm. and who's you know young back then and you got something like at your fingertips yeah. they didn't have cell phones like that. Yeah, like, I remember right. I came up to Slew Park one time yeah. and I had the phone in the bag and I'm sitting up here looking at <laughs> Watching this, they didn't know me. I had I had the Alpine in the bag. Right. We didn't have all this going on the internet and, and can post something. So who's to say what bug would have did yeah. when he was young? So, that's that's why yeah. I said. So I said that to say this like. Oh, older guys, they take it a little easy on the young kids. They they stupid. You know, Everybody was stupid. Like you're young yeah. and stupid. Like yes, I'm you know, glad you said that because that's how we able to reach them. We we tra- yeah. man, when we're not training, you got to meet them where they at mm-hmm. and know that it goes back to empathy. Yeah. Just People, take just take like yeah. they just look at them like you. That's one thing. That's why I love what you do because. Like people look at kids like we 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 did we debate about music and stuff. Uh-huh. We look at people so stu- like you just look at them like oh he looks stupid he got red dreads colorful dreads yeah. we just look at him like he's stupid but it's just a different era like even me like I'm, I'm thirty you know I just turned thirty last year so it's like I'm still like I'm in between like I, I can kind of feel them doing the silly stuff they do now and I'm still like from an older era like so I kind of but I can I got empathy for them like why they they looking stupid like right, it ain't right, right. it ain't for us 
They pants yeah. a little too tight for us, yeah, but it's yeah. like it, it, that's it, just they that's their swag. It's they it's they norm right now, yeah. and it's a lot of norms that's they norm. We talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. People got norms, and it's the norm all over for certain generations and what they like and do. And you know, you gotta accept that because yeah. everybody had theirs. You know, everybody can look at something to say that was crazy. Yeah. They might have looked at the clothes they was wearing crazy back in the days compared to yeah. now. And that's know? just the main thing. That's what the reason that podcast is what it's kind of for. It's like I want to bridge the gap between. People your age, yes. you know, people my age, and even people under me. You uh-huh. know that, man. We all we all black at the end of the day, so we just man. all need to be together. But yeah, and all the things go on there, so they go to the yeah. same place everywhere. Like, so, man. and this we stronger together. But so you uh you served how many times did you serve? Um, so I got it. I was sent, I was sentenced to ten years. Yeah. And so I was able to um get in this drug program at the end of my sentence, and so I ended up doing just right at eight years because yeah. they gave me six months halfway house. Yeah. So I was still like in a halfway house. So I did like eight on the 10. So out of them eight years. So like when you first went in, was you like, do you think like when you went in, was it instantly? Well, you, you always, you yeah. never was like a hothead. Or yeah. Like, yeah. No, I got, yeah. I never so, was a hothead. So no, so I you know. like how, what changed? How long, when did you make a change? You think? Out of them, like eight years, like oh man, I mean, or did you not change at all? No, I, it was a progress, you know. Yeah. When I got in, um, one thing, the first thing that some of the even us people in there, like I was just, I was just in St. Louis, and I was talking about how when I was in the county jail with Jerry Lewis Bay and Hopkins Bay, these are some notorious good brothers in my eyes, but the government had them in jail. Some of them doing life. Jerry Lewis Bay had been on the cover of um, Don Diva Macbeth's magazine, whatever. Matter of fact, he said a story in that. I remember being in the county one while we was waiting to go to trial. But so I, when I got in there, you know, I was young and stuff, and I still was, I was a still, I was only here a year and a half from California when I got locked up, so I was still West Coast. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and when I was in there, I was, I still was West Coast. So immediately, I started to, uh, you know, I clicked in with a lot of stuff, and I started, you know, doing all type of stuff in jail. I learned how to make hooch, and and you know, and, <laughs> and I was gambling, and you know, yeah. but then, but I also went to school until they took away the Pell grants. Yeah. You know, I learned a lot of things. I, I, I sat down and talked with a lot of. You know, people that was way more senior than me, so I picked up on a lot, learned a lot, and uh, but you know, and I seen a lot. I seen a lot of stuff, and uh, but I was always like well liked, and I'm from California originally, so I was with the California car. Yeah. So that you know, any joint I was in, I'm from Cali. You know, what I'm saying I'm from, I got a background, so yeah. I'm, I always had a car that I'm gonna ride with. You know, they gonna ride with me. You mm-hmm. know, what I'm saying, so and that that's what's funny though. Like, all right, me like. I ain't never been to jail. I don't want to go to jail. Exactly. <laughs> you know, what scared me to go to jail is uh, when I was young, I listened to Benny Siegel, What's Your Life Like? After I heard that song, I never wanted to go to jail. <laughs> but uh, I, we had, we, you had 100 conversations, yeah, but right. you, never, you never have ever glorified jail. Like, but that's right, I talked to many people that's been in jail, and they act like, Jail is the place to be, or man. it's just like it ain't like you know. No, that like it ain't jail. That's yeah. never yeah, like it's, it's never the place you want to be. Never the move, it, and it's just like people be, yeah. like. I had a, I had a, I had to cut you off, and I had I had a young boy tell me that he didn't he didn't respect no old heads unless they went to jail. <laughs> I looked at him like that's crazy. what? And we but, we was actually arguing at the time. We were like I don't respect you. You ain't never been to jail. I don't respect nothing you've done. Right. Also, you respect the people who'd have been caught. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. That's crazy. But it's just like it's like you know in our communities, it's like a, a jail. You got the oh, you've been in jails. Utmost respect. Like no. Way. It's just like it's yeah. just like I. We you, lost. You never. You never. You never preached it like it was a place to be. Like I, I ain't never heard of jails. Today is the first time you ever, ever had a conversation. We just been. Yeah. But if I did, it's always. And, and today, when it's in my trainings, 
it's really just to motivate. I want to show somebody that um, I didn't, like you said, I, I'm not glorifying jail. You know, it happened to me. I try to prevent it from happening to other people in my life that I mentor, whether it be in this work, whether it be in life, whether it be at my church or whatever. I try to tell them this ain't what you want to do and, 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 you, and you don't have to go there. But all, on the flip side, those that's been to jail, I try to be an inspiration to them and say, yeah. listen, look, what, look, like you say, I, I don't have a degree. Mm -hmm. I'm not glorifying not going to school, but I don't have a degree. But I do things that people with PhDs wish they could do it. And that's what that's what I want to segue to. Like, so when was it? When it, like when did you start putting your plan together? Like, oh yeah, that's the main thing. Like, I, I yeah. watch a lot of things. Like, shout out to uh, the guy named Wallow. Uh, I'm familiar with Wallow. Gilly, know. shout out to Gilly down there, Philly. Philly but Gilly, but Wallow did like 20 years. So yeah. and then when he got out, he put a he he had a plan when he got out what he was gonna do. Yeah. And he was gonna put things in motion like he was gonna. What he's doing now, motivational speaking and stuff like that. So when did you start putting your plan together? Like when I get it, I'm a, yeah, no, I'm gonna start a magazine. Or, yeah, did you yeah, know that from the yeah, beginning? Yeah, no, that's the, I love that yeah. question because I, as, as a couple of things I said I was gonna do. I used to, you know, I did everything everybody else do. Play ball. Let's go back. Um, you know, I played ball, lift weights, did all that stuff. But I started. My uncle has a magazine. Mm -hmm. He has a magazine and um. And it's in the northern suburbs, and we had the three communities, Waukegan, North Chicago, and he used to have it in, a, in Wisconsin in a city called um, Kenosha. And he's also in Zion. So he's like in four areas, had it forever. And I remember as a kid, when I would go back there and visit him, he was always doing his magazine. It was like a black magazine with all the businesses in the neighborhood and everything. So when I was in jail, over years, I remember having to staple it for him, and he'd pay us you know, a few dollars. Actually, we was I was clowning another day because he would pay us like for every one we staple, we got a penny and a half. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm cheap as a mug. He just turned like I don't know, 70 something and we celebrated him, but I brought I spoke about how he paid us a penny and a half. But anyway, he he went from a little pamphlet, it got bigger and bigger, and bigger and bigger. And then by the time I went to jail, you know, because I had been visiting him in all my years, you know, by the time I was like 15, it was he had a full size eight and a half by eleven. And he used to send it to me in jail. So when I got it in jail. I used to say to myself, man, I want to do this one day. I think I could be the next Ebony Magazine or something, right? Right. But then I said that, and I said the source and all that stuff. I was thinking I was loving magazines, and social media wasn't in there. Yeah, so I'm in jail, yeah, and I said, right. I can do this. Yeah. And I said, I would love to. And my uncle was already doing it, so he showed me that you can do it, and you didn't have to be John Johnson, right? So he was doing it. Mm -hmm. And he used to tell me, say, yeah, you can do whatever you want. And so I said, you know, I'm going to start. So I started thinking about it, how I would do it, what's the best way to do it. But on top of that, I still was studying the music industry because I still wanted to be a rapper too when mm -hmm. I got out. So I was studying that. So I ordered a couple books. One book I ordered about the magazine thing was called How to Succeed in Business Without Being White. It's mm. by Earl Graves. Earl Graves wrote it years ago. It's a bestseller. Yeah, and the title, the title will throw you off, but it's raw. It mm -hmm. talks about networking and how he started, how he got big and how he became a billionaire along with his colleague, Reginald Lewis. I was just in Baltimore and they got the Reginald Lewis museums and all that. But Reginald Lewis was another black billionaire, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure Jigging all of them studied these brothers. It's only a few of them that these brothers were billionaires way back when, right? Mm -hmm. So I read these books and I said, you know what? I'm a, I would love to start a magazine when I get out. But I, I like how my uncle does it because my uncle's magazine wasn't a rap magazine. It was an entrepreneur magazine. Mm. That's what Black Enterprise is, but it's celebrating the big dogs. Yeah. So I wanted to celebrate all businesses. And as you grow, you got bigger. I thought that was dope. So I started thinking about that. Then I thought about the rap thing. So this other book, it was like everything you want to know about the music industry. So I used to study that, the music. So I said, okay, and I was watching the music. I was seeing these artists, how they was coming out. I knew I knew music too. So mm. I'm watching them. I'm listening to them. I'm seeing who hot from jail. And then yet I knew I was pretty good. It wasn't a compound I was at where I wasn't one of the top 
MCs, in my opinion, and I, and I looked up to them. I ain't never heard these bars before. Uh, you know, I did, they, they've been retired, but you know, they, you need me to spit a bar. You know, I can't bring it out the bag. You know, uh, you know, it's funny, I was on this podcast. Um, a shout out to my man Marlon, the Carcerated Podcast um, out in New York City. And I and he got me on there and had me rapping. So he, he wasn't even family, but I'm going to turn you down, man. You know, but I, I had a plan, and when I came out, uh, you know, I started to work on it, but when I came out, I started working for my uncle, mm-hmm. and he had a magazine. I learned the magazine game from him as I worked. He started me out just going around, dropping them off at businesses. I'm out of jail. I didn't care. It was good to be doing something, but I was studying, right. and eventually, I knew I was going to launch. I mm-hmm. knew I was going to launch. I knew too many people, and I said, I can do this, and I started it, and, and you know, and we did our thing, man, and it blew up. Yeah, man. That was, that was something big. I remember big. that magazine. Yeah, that was something big, like. We used to have them all over the house, you know. Like, yeah, man. Every, every time, every time you came through, hey, holiday, anything. Yeah, that new, new, ma- new magazine. That's right. Like that. that was we used to really look at them like, I was like, damn, this is like, it was just. I, I never had aspirations like to be. I want, you know, I played ball my whole life, so yeah. I wanted to play ball, but like, I never wanted to be a rapper or anything like that. Uh-huh. But it's just you look at growing up. You look at all them famous people. Like you make it. It seems like that stuff ain't real. Like, I know, right? You know how you got the Illuminati. Like yeah, yeah, you got exactly. killed. You got sacrificed a hamster. To <laughs> and all that stuff, yeah. But it's like to see somebody you know in yeah. a picture with them. Like that's right. Damn, he was Mike. He Ice Cube. Or, you know what yeah. I'm saying? We watching Friday, and then man, my cousin know him. Like, yeah, you know, that's just, that was craziest. And then like even like to see like Lil Wayne. Like we look at Lil Wayne now. Like you spend time with Cash Money. That was like craziest. Like. Back then, I've been loving Lil Wayne forever though. So right. like, yeah. back then, I, I thought Lil Wayne was yeah. one of the best rappers. So and then I seen you with him, I just remember like, damn. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of story. I mean, you know, Cash Money. Um, um, when they was first starting out. So when I, so how I got real cool and doing a lot of stuff with Cash Money in the early days mm-hmm. is because when I did launch my magazine independently out of Chicago. Um, and even launched it actually out in Waukegan, which is a northern suburb, but I had it all over the city, south side. And we started out just going around getting black businesses that we knew to have businesses, just people in the hood. You got a car wash, I do a story on you, blow you up. Because I wanted to say that this is dope that you're doing. That's why the magazine was called Exposure, Exposure. Magazine. Mm-hmm. It was all about exposing. Because I was trying to be black enterprise, but on a local level. Mm-hmm. But it was going to be national. That was my plan. Yeah. Be a national, take look what my uncle did. But he was local. He didn't want to go past outside of his neighborhood. I said, I'm going to take this thing national. I want to. And when I did that, it started, I used to send the copies everywhere. We started out slow, black and white. And before you knew it, Universal Records was like calling me saying, hey, they've heard about my magazine. They said, man, we love for you to start interviewing some of our artists. Right. I'm young. And I, I'm fresh out of jail. I'm saying, bet, come on with it. I said, this is a dream of a lifetime. Yeah. So they flew me everywhere. And I got a chance to meet Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne might have been no more than 14. Yeah. No more than 14. I interviewed him three times. Baby, Slim. A lot of, at this time, they had a lot of people from Chicago signed to him. They had my boy, shout out, Mickey Halstead. Mickey's dope. Mickey's my brother right yeah, now. Yeah, Boo and Gotti. Yeah, yeah. Boo and Gotti. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the reason I shout out Mickey Halstead, because I, I appreciate how these brothers do win. Mickey Halstead now is like the one that really pushed G Herbo. Mm-hmm. Mickey Halstead manages G Herbo, and that's his little brother. So, like, they, he helped him prop, because Mickey Halstead wind up writing a lot of stuff in the industry with Baby and them. But now he's back in Chicago. He has three restaurants. So if I was doing exposure now, there's so many people that took it on. But I like these stories. I remember he was an up-and-coming rapper for Cash Money, but he was kind of on the shelf. But he's cold out of Chicago. So now to see him now in the game, but now he's like a man. He's on the business side. And now G Herbo taking it to the level. And it's like, 
that that's dope to see those transitions from um and so that's and that's how I got with Cash Money because yeah. I met him he was there like you say um T T Q all of yeah. them was part of that era <laughs> and that look, all the stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> T Q but you know he was T Q was hard too yeah. hard man I just I just talked to T Q um probably about <laughs> about a month ago I talked to him and I sent him an old copy of the magazine yeah. T Q was on one of the covers and that's that's what. That's what I just see you post that on Instagram, like mm-hmm. uh, that's funny. Like on, on your Instagram, a picture like Lil Wayne, like yeah, little, he had a little short dreads yeah, and stuff. I'm yeah. just like, damn. So, is it what type of like? I ain't trying. To, we ain't trying to gossip in there. But no, like, no. What's <laughs> crazy? What's, what's the crazy? Who's the craziest? Uh, craziest thing that happened when I was doing stuff like this? Yeah, like stuff? even like who the craziest person you had to interview or who you had to been around? You're like, damn, this okay. dude is. Like okay, so <laughs> it's a lot of them, but one of the most craziest, funnest person that I ever had with me, that I interviewed and had him running around the streets with me, was Ox from Belly. Mm, I bet that was deep. He's the first one to pop. I could say a few others, but first yeah. Ox. I'm just yeah. telling you, uh-huh. Suge. I could say Suge Knight, but Ox, man, I met him in Philly. So I used to go everywhere with my magazine because I was corporate. I was I was doing what they call guerrilla marketing. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I go there and yeah, pass them out. Yeah. I made five thousand copies look like it was twenty thousand copies. Mm-hmm. You know because I know how to. That's how you market. And you can even today people just depend on social network. You better still be doing some physical stuff, mm-hmm. right? It takes that to move around, right? Network. But anyway, I went out there and met Ox, and it, and when I seen him, and um and and I was at the All Star Weekend. It was in Philadelphia. And I never forget. I seen him in the club, and I and I went up and I said, "Man, what's up, Ox?" And he was real cool. And I gave him my card. I said, "Man, I want to interview. I would love to do something with you." He said, "Cool." He gave me his number. So then one day I was doing um, a show with Nas with these brothers. We were bringing Nas to Chicago, and I said, "Man, we should get Ox to host it." I got his number. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? His real name is Louis Rankin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But but Ox. I said, "Man, let me let me call Ox." I called Ox. Ox was like, "He said cool." He said, "Man, just fly me in. Tell me everything he needed and stuff." And I'm telling you, when he landed in Chicago, mm-hmm. hear me out. When the brother landed in Chicago, <laughs> um, my boys that I was doing the promotion with, they was all focused just on Nas and the mm-hmm. show and everything. So they were slow rolling with Ox and you know, everything. I'm saying, man, let's make sure we take our Ox. I said, forget it. I got I, Ox I all by myself. Care. I got mm-hmm. him and I'm still with the Nas part, but I got Ox, right? Mm-hmm. Ox went to the radio station. When everywhere, wherever we went, people looked at him like the black Scarface. Mm-hmm. So even when we was in the club, and I'm skipping pieces, but when we was in the club... In the club, yeah, Nas was cool, but everybody, oh, that's Ox that's from Belly, and, like, and they was coming to us, and they were buying them drinks, and they were getting them drinks, and I remember I'm trying to hook them up with some bras, and Ox like big women. You know what I'm <laughs> no, 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 like, you know, I, I'm not lying. Ox, and, Ox like big women, so we like, man, what about her Ox? You know what I'm saying? And, and Ox like, you know, and I remember, he, I remember a little line he said. He said, Marcus. He said, these projects in, in Chicago are our resorts in Kingston. <laughs> and, 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 and he would get into character. Yeah. We called him Ox. He, it was such a popular figure for him because of that, yeah. that he thought he was Ox. You know what uh, but he was real. I mean, everybody loved it. And, and I wish I could run across him again. And yeah. I haven't in years. But if I did, we did so much. I remember he, he, he lost his jacket in the airport. So we wound up buying him a, a, a nice leather. We was doing all type of stuff. Oh, and we was man. like, now slow down, Ox. You forget everything. We was like, don't work us now. You know what I'm saying? Right. What you mean you left your damn jacket? But we got him a jacket anyway. Yeah. And we kicked it, man, for four days in the shy. And that was hilarious because everybody was like tripping off of him. And, and he got into character and he started thinking like he was in the show belly. And like, like he would murder everybody in the club. And look at him wrong. Shout out to Ox, man. I, I hope that I could have come across him again. Yeah. It's nothing but love because I showed him a good time. 
And it was nothing. We went out to eat. We went to the project. We went everywhere, man. Everybody was like, man, they were awesome. Like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he's like, that's one. And obviously, Suge. You know, Suge. Yeah, well, that, you know? that's why I want to ask you about Suge, man. Suge <laughs> Knight. Yeah, Suge. We, we had like a, uh, me and KD had a, a discussion one time. We were talking uh -huh. about Suge. And I said, I think I, no, I watched Suge. He had a documentary on like Showtime or something. Uh -huh. It was a good documentary. But I just felt like Suge did so much for the culture and everybody. It's just like now, everybody just shit on Suge. I was like, damn. He, you got to think how young they was when they was getting all that money and shit like that. So, it, I feel like Suge get a bad rap. I feel like Suge should get more respect than what he did. And I know you spent a lot of time with Suge, so you know Suge better than us. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and for my limited time, but I had some opportunities, man, where... um. Um, I, I, of course, I interviewed Suge. He was on the cover of my magazine. Yeah. I had homeboys. You spent like a, a week or something. Oh, yeah. We spent a whole week. One, uh, one time we went from, so we started in L.A. I interviewed him. One of my homeboys was um, um, in security. I had another homeboy um, that just, you know, it's a connection, you know what I'm saying? Suge's from my side of the street, as we said earlier. So mm -hmm. I know people that know Suge. And, so, and, and then, so when I first interviewed Suge, I remember being in Death Row Studios, right? And this is part of a story that kind of. What year is this? This was in. Um, I know, Vicky, I can tell you. Yeah, and I picked a picture. So it was like, let me just go back. So this was like 2000, 2000. It was either 2001 or 2002. Okay. So, you know, right around that area. Right so after he got out. He just yeah, yeah, it was one of them. It was one of them. Because he did a short stint, not yeah. you know, different than, not the second one, because he had like, he's in the third one now. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so it was right around there. It was around the time he was messing with. Um, Left Eye. Mm -hmm. Remember, he, he came out and he was on the cover with Left Eye. He, well, you might not have seen this magazine, but he was on the cover of like The Source or Double or XL with Left Eye. Because like, when Tupac died, he did a little time. and then Yeah, he did a little time. He, so, it was start, he was starting to do The artist he had on the label at this time was Crooked Eye. Shout out to Crooked Eye. Mm -hmm. You know, I can go back with him. Um, he had Eastwood, who I just, I just realized Eastwood was, uh, he, played a, he played a role on, um, he was on Tupac, that movie Tupac. <laughs> Eastwood, Eastwood played one of the, he was the one that played when he came to Pac and them and said, man, the, the dude that took my chain, Eastwood, mm -hmm. that, that dude that played that position, he's a rapper, he cold, you know what I'm okay. saying? Yeah. But Eastwood, and he I was think, really in Death Row. Man. Yeah, he was really signed to Death Row. Mm -hmm. So it was Eastwood, and Shug, Shug was making a comeback with them, and he did a thing with um, um, the comedian um, that's out of Kansas City. What's his name? He did, um, the, the comedian that um, foolish uh, Eddie yeah, Griffin yeah Eddie, Eddie Griffin, Griffin, Griffin. Shug, Eddie Griffin. you know did some stuff with him so I do I'm like you too and obviously I'm a little biased because out of all the interviews I ever did to me Shug was the most down to earth like I was comfortable around Shug and not because of the affiliation of just the street just because he was just a street dude and he was he was down to earth but he was real he'd be real with you mm -hmm. and I'll never forget this because we when we came when I came to Death Row Studios to do an interview with him so I came up there with some of my homies that knew him, and we was all good and stuff. And we sat down, and Suge was real busy. So we had to wait a while. You know, Suge take all day. But we was cool. We, we, didn't, <laughs> we ended up drinking. We smoking at the time. We, we doing all that in the lifestyle. And then I'm waiting. And so finally, I do the interview on Suge. But when, when my homeboy, when he first came, he said, Suge, this is the homie I was telling you about that we almost got into with Nelly and him in St. Louis, right? Uh -huh. As a matter of fact, he, didn't say, he said he was going to smash. Like I told you that story. Yeah. So... That, so he was trying to tell it because the homeboy that was in security used to be in St. Louis okay. all the time, you know what I'm saying? But he just happened to be at this time in LA working with Suge. So it's such a small world. You know, he didn't even know I was coming up there. But when right. he seen me, he was he must have mentioned me to Suge years ago about my, my, one of the homies got a magazine. Mm -hmm. He's he from Cali originally, but he's out in St. Louis. He's in Alton. He's in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So what cracked me about Suge, I sit down with Suge to do the interview. 
and typical Suge, Suge want to know what was up with me and Nelly and all of them at the party. <laughs> you want to hear about the drama. You want to hear about the drama. He's like, Nigga, what happened at that thing? You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not on that. So I'm like, nah, it was all good. And we, it was all straight. You know what I'm saying? Suge, it's all good. Everything's straight. But he bringing it up about the show and stuff. And I'm like, no, let's get on this interview, Suge. You know, Suge want to get on that. But he was, and then we left there and we went to Vegas. And we went to Vegas and they did like some stuff. And um, they did, um, um, like, you know, shows and stuff like that. And I, I was tagging along, doing some things, and we was just having a blast. So, you know, he, he was he was, he was was cool with me, man. Sugar was yeah. always down to earth. Um, you know, I, I, I liked him as a businessman. He was young. He was trying to do something. He was, he got locked up the second time. He called me from um, from jail one day, and he asked me, could I help um, shoot this album of Corrupt to all the people I knew in Chicago? And it was, I, I was honored. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm mm-hmm. from the streets. I'm out of jail. Here goes Shug calling me. Yeah. And I'm not saying we're his best homies, but th- the man did call me. And yeah. then, I, I, matter of fact, his secretary said, man, Shug wants to call you from jail. Can you get to a stationary line? I had an office, Exposure Magazine, in Chicago. So Shug calls, and we chop it up. And, I, and he was going to invest in me doing the magazine. I believe Shug would have, but so much stuff happened yeah. when he got out of jail. Because I think he said, man, I got you. It's a real street magazine, blah, blah, blah. He's seen how it was. But I promoted Corrupt's album. And, you know, so that you know, yeah. Shug's a crazy story, too. I just, I just think Shug Knight, the, everything came at them so fast and everything. It's just, if you think about everything he was trying to do, he had the right plan. It was just, it was just, uh, he had he had the right plan. Just he he had he was mixing gang banging and stuff like that with it. It's just like you give him the job, but but I just think Suge he had the right he had the right intentions because he he was trying to get black people jobs and people from the street jobs. It was just you just when they come to work they can't be on the same shit they own in the street and right. that just this stuff didn't mix. But people don't realize how young them cats was getting all that money. Like man, that, you know, and at that era that money they was having was so much. And- <laughs> It was so much going on. So you put it in right perspective. That's why you can't always just judge something just by it's a lot of factors and it's easy to say, but when you if you ain't got that money and that lifestyle at that yeah. time, you never know what you'll do <laughs> or how you'll be if you look up and you worked a hundred million, two hundred million mm-hmm. at a time in the industry when nobody was worth that type of money. I mean Death Row was getting a lot of bread, you know. Yeah. So while you doing a magazine, like you living life and everything, what what when when did things change when you slow down the magazine and then you just slow down life, and, and it brought you to where you at now, like cure violence. And, yeah, yeah, that's that strange because yeah. everybody thought that I, I mean, my magazine was going good. Um, we was ahead of the curve before, you know. So, you know, if I would have stayed at it, when I look at how social media is today and stuff, I probably would have, you know, ten million followers. That's no exaggeration. But I didn't stay with it mm-hmm. because, um, you know, the federal government was trying to put me back in jail, mm. and you know, they even took pictures. Uh, um, on like out of my cousin's house on a raid one time with me and Suge and they just were trying to build a case on me because they, they looked at my background that I had been in the feds mm-hmm. now I'm doing this magazine and they just knew that I'm you know um, that I was they figured They're I was trying to doing, say it wasn't yeah, legit they, yeah they, they, they think I wasn't legit and they figured I was doing something and I was around a lot of people I mean people in my magazine I promoted people in the streets if mm-hmm. you had a clothing store I didn't I, I just wanted to promote your business and if you were in the streets, hopefully this business could blow up and you ain't got to still be in the streets like whatever you was doing, right? right? So, yeah, I was around a lot of people. And I'm sure a lot of people that I was around might have had federal, you know, cameras on them, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they started to try to do that to me. And, you know, I had just had a daughter. And so, for me, it wasn't worth um, it wasn't worth going back to jail to even just play with them people. So, you know, I, I left the streets alone. I kind of did. I used to say I did my mace. Because everybody just said, what happened to Marcus in Exposure Magazine? It's like, he just disappeared. And I was on the scene 
But you know, I didn't want to bring no heat to nobody. Exactly. I knew the people was on me because I got blessed to see them following me, and you know, I, I got wind of stuff, and you know, so I, it was truly a blessing because I could have been dead or back in jail. So you just, you just shut everything down. I shut everything down, and I, and, it, and the thing about it is, I didn't have nothing to shut down at the time. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you how God worked. When I realized that was on me and trying to do something to me, I wasn't on nothing at the mm-hmm. time. But then, the, the the industry started to change. I kind of hibernated. I had a daughter at the time. I was trying to make sure what could I do to keep, you know, I didn't want to be going back to jail or anything. And I, I now I'm a father. I just can't run. No, I was running all over, like mm-hmm. traveling. It's funny I'm traveling now because I was traveling in the magazine game. And I'm gone. And, you know, I was I, I had a wife, but, you know, it's different when it's just you and your wife. But when it, now I had a daughter, so I said I needed to do something. Plus, I didn't want to go back to jail. And I and I was blessed to see that these people trying to get on me. I wasn't about to um, take heat to none of these interviews or, you know, make, or act like they don't exist because, mm-hmm. You know, I started there, you know, you wanna that's the I will be honest. <laughs> when you wanna keep something afloat, sometimes you'll you'll do something that you said you'll never do again. You right, see what I'm saying? Right. That's all I'm gonna say with that. But yeah. I'm just saying and so I'm wise enough to know that, you know what, it ain't worth it. So I cut everything off. I yeah. stopped and it was a blessing because I cut it off just in the nick of time and just the lifestyle and I wasn't doing nothing. And then one day this lady came to me and she said, Here's a job that you might want to consider. And the thing is, I don't know why she asked me that I need a job because when she came, I was in my family's business doing some signs, something I really didn't like, but she didn't know that. Mm. And I'm like, why would you ask me, do I need a job when the building says McAllister Sign Company? Right. You know, I'm not being cocky, but this yeah. is my family business. You know, right. why are you going to ask me if I need a job? This is my job. I'm the, you might as well say I'm part owner. You know, yeah. but, but she asked me that. But me being spiritual, when I look back on it now, it was just nothing but God because she she didn't have to ask me that. And I said, what is sure. it? And then that's when I got, and, and that's how the change started. The job helped me to change too, because I, when I started doing this work, it was so dope. And I said, man, this is giving back. And, you know, it's a sacrifice. I wasn't, you know, traveling like I used to and making the money that I used to have, but I didn't care. It was a good thing. I was, I knew I was straight and I wasn't going, and I was still kind of able to help people out in a different vein. Mm-hmm. So even everybody knew I had the mag was supporting me because it was like, they see me out in the streets and. They, some of them thought it was a front. They were like, oh, this must be some type of new thing that he, you know, some drug front or something. You know, those that knew me in the street. But then they realized it was serious, that I wasn't faking, that this was a real job. And who would have thought? That was six. I've been doing this work now 16 years. That was 16 years ago where I first started working on the ground to get to the point where I am today, which is 16 years later. And I'm pretty much like all over the world with it. I'm blessed to have all these comrades, these sites. I mean, I got a high position. I, I, I took the company on my back, me and a couple other colleagues, and we took it to the next level. And, um, and you know, I, I never thought I'd be doing this. I mean, I was, I be, I, I see so many more mayors and departments than I ever thought I would be seeing. You know what I'm saying? Like, that ain't my crowd. I never thought that I'd be training and, and you know, I been going to Africa and all these other places that, that I've been and United Embassies and stuff like that. Little old me, you know what I'm saying? And I can say little old me right here in Alton and stuff that just changed his life around and it was just all a blessing, man. And I'm I'm humbled by it. Anybody know me, I'm thankful and that's why I think I keep getting blessed, you know. Man, we appreciate you. Appreciate everything you do, man, because you, you helping. Anybody to help, like, we just appreciate you. Yeah. But before you get out of here. Yeah, I'm no rush. <laughs> I'm with you. We got to ask all our guests. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's the number one barbershop question. It starts the most arguing. Okay. We have top five MCs. MCs? All time. Okay, all time. So, um, your top five. My top five. So Any order. And, and my, and I have to put them in order. You ain't got to put them in order. Okay, right great. So, Ice Cube, mm-hmm. you know, Ice Cube is really the one that I just loved coming up in WA. I come up in that area as a kid. Ice Cube, Tupac, 
Biggie. So them three right there. And then it gets tricky for who I would add for these next two slots um, of all time. Um, when I, and I'm just thinking about it like I got to look at all perspective. I'm going to say Jay. And I probably got, it's, it's, it's a toss up to me mm-hmm. of Nas and Jadakiss. But I think Jadakiss is the best lyricist. I like his voice and his raspy flow <laughs> yeah. better than all of them. And I yeah. think Ice Cube is the best storyteller. I think Jay-Z is the best one to put it all together. I think Tupac was the most authentic. And I think Biggie just was so classy. He's like the, the, he was like the, the damn baller rapper. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was a baller before people knew baller because yeah. of the way he rapped. So those are some of mine. I probably go on, but I think that's my five. Can't be mad yeah. at that top. That was a good, that was a good top yeah. five. You see, he ain't say. <laughs> we got, I, we got, we got, we got, we got DMX. I just seen DMX. Yeah, we got, a, yeah. we got a classic feud about Nas <laughs> like, and DMX. I, I said Nas, but he said I DMX. Think DMX. I like DMX a lot, and it's funny because I spent more time with DMX, man. And I, I, I've been with DMX back in the days, and I was with him recently. In so Chicago. that's what's crazy, though. You just said we asked you the craziest person. You ain't. I, I didn't. You know DMX what? Yeah, you know what? I, it, 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 I didn't even. He got some X stories. That's yeah, yeah. Sure. I know he got some yeah, stories. X came to Chicago. We did a show. My homie's his manager. and was his manager at the time. And now my homie got this freestyle show um, that um, that he runs um, on Instagram. And I'm, I'm sorry I'm drawing a blank on the name of it right this second. But anyway, uh, DMX, the uh, only thing I'll say about him, I, I, he got so much energy, man. He's always moving and ready. And I remember I was in the hotel room after the show with my homie because he trusts me. So he in there counting X money. X come in. X know I must be straight if I'm in there with his guy with his money. Uh-huh. But he was like... And he was he was moving around and Joakim Noah Joakim Noah to play for the Bulls had gave me Joakim uh, my boy gave me a thing and said get us the X we gotta get Joakim on the podcast oh that, yeah we should work <laughs> no we try to work that out so yeah. now the real Joe's real is doing he's yeah. the most realest athlete let me just put that out there all the athletes I met in my lifetime yeah. Joakim is the realest and not because I know him a little better than anybody else but I would say Joakim and Roy Jones Jr. are my two top athletes that were down to earth that are real big time right mm-hmm. but back X real quick so X comes in. He sees my boy in there counting the money. I'm just sitting there as a guest. He, he, he sent me at the concert, so he knew I'm riding in the bands with him because I get my boy said, I'm in Chicago. Come on, I got X. You can meet him. So we go to the thing. X coming there. So I had this drop. No joking there. Joking Noah has a foundation called Noah's Arts Foundation. Uh-huh. And they had this drop they put all around Chicago where you wear it for peace. Mm-hmm. And you know everybody's wearing them. And I got one. I don't got it on right now. But the thing is, we had one to give the DMX. So I, I said to X, I said, hey. I said, man, my boy gave me this joking Noah. This from Joe. And X liked it until X was like, X was like, no, I don't want it. Tell, tell Joe Kim to bring it to me. You know, he, just like, he said, I, I want it. Let Joe Kim give it to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just, you know, he was energetic, man. He had a cigarette and he's smoking and stuff, uh-huh. man. And I love I love X. I love his lyrics and everything. But to see him in action like that, yeah, I mean, he was, real. He, was, real. No, he, he was moving around and he went next door and he, he went in his room. No, he, no, no. Give, yeah, it, give, it, give it to give yeah, it. Yeah, he was like, no, 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 give no. It he, said, <laughs> he said, yeah, you tell Joe Kim to give it to me. You know what I'm saying? He was like real fast with it. And he was like, what's up with the money? And he's going to the thing. But he was, he was nice. He wasn't being mean. He was yeah, just being him, and he was it. like, he said, "No, I'm not taking it. You know, I got to get it." So X, that was a funny one with X. And I've been all in Yonkers, where DMX is from, and I met his uncles and stuff. Just mm-hmm. from we got a site in Yonkers, New York. Shout out to Yonkers, New York. They took me around they, uh, they area slow bomb projects where right. Mary J is from, mm-hmm. and obviously I've met Mary J a few times in my lifetime. Okay, now this is our connection that we don't always had. It's the last thing we're gonna talk okay. about. We get out of here. Shout out to them Lakers. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody know 
Everybody know me in this country. They know they don't see they know your boy. I'm a Lakers fan. Lakers fan always have been, man. You know, I, I like the Lakers back in the day. I'm a Kobe fan. Mike to me is the best ever. But right after Mike is right after Mike is Magic and Kobe to me. And people yeah. can debate that because I'm a Magic fan. I'm a Laker fan. Right. You know what I'm saying? But then now that when Kobe became a Laker and the things that he did, but now we got LeBron and we got AD. Oh man, I think we're gonna do something. We own, baby. I might lose some support now because those that don't might not like the Lakers, but we Laker fans. Oh, right we Laker fans. Ain't no sure. doubt about it. You know Lake show, baby. So. You know, just you know, even <laughs> we just gonna we gonna leave with this. You know, as an AD sign, yeah. that's how we're feeling. Yeah. We're in Cali. That's right. You know, right. hey, it's a good day in LA right oh, now. Oh, good day. It's gonna be a good year. Yeah, good year. Hey, appreciate y'all for listening. This won't be the first time we're gonna have Marcus back on. Yeah, man. You know, this won't be the first time. Appreciate y'all listening. Thank you, cuz, for coming through. Number love. Nah, I appreciate y'all, man. I appreciate you, family. Yeah. yeah. Reason the Doubt Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be back. We we'll had two episodes coming out this week. Normal, normal. Back to business. You know, talking about all the crazy stuff going on in the world. We'll we'll get back to y'all, man. You know, appreciate y'all for listening. This is the Reason Doubt Podcast. I'm Jay Sims. Here with Marcus McAllister. Fresh 60, a.k.a. KD. Thank y'all for listening. Love. Dope. That was fun, man. (laughs)